Thank you, bro. Wow. I am excited to be here. Excited you're here. I've had several, I shared a few, but I've had several uh, prophetic, other prophetic words come today. And, you know, I, I, really, I really sense that God is wanting to, to do something new in each of our lives. I think he's doing something new collectively as a church. And, you know, if you're a guest with us and this is uh, different for you, that's good. <laughs> it may not feel good, but it's good because he's desiring to take us places we've never been before so he can express who he is to us so that he can express who he is through us. Amen? So uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you're here. At one of the words that came, I want to share this. Uh, Emily, I'm just going to do it briefly. Emily uh, said that there's people who came in. She said, I see they came in with crowns, and the crowns were... And crowns represent honor and things like that. She said they were beat up, there were stones missing, they were tarnished, and uh, they were ashamed of them. Said some were just carrying them, had them tucked under their arms, stuff like that. They weren't wearing the crowns. And she said, the Lord is saying that I'm I'm doing a great exchange. I'm a restorer. I have a new crown for you today, my son and daughter. There's a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, but he's blowing off the old. And she said, I saw Jesus taking people's hearts and minds and working on them so carefully in small and like a small workshop, he is saying, I care about the detail of your heart, your mind, your body, your marriage, your kids, your relationships, your workplace, the generations to come. Every divine appointment you're being prepared for. Let me replace and exchange the crown you came in with, a brand, with, with a brand new one. I have more for you. Surrender all. The old and uh, burn brighter with the new. You are a royalty because I am royalty. God is, you know, we were singing, he's the king of kings, and we need uh, your Holy Spirit fire consuming us. And I, I, as I uh, was preparing for today and just praying about today's message, as I said earlier, the thing the Lord has just continued to stir in my heart is the reality of his presence. It's so easy uh, for us because we... Um, have a tendency to be bound to the natural. And we think of spiritual things, but we, the, the, the natural, and the Bible calls that carnal-minded. Carnal-minded is not, I'm thinking about sin all the time. Carnal-minded, it literally means that I'm thinking about things from a natural perspective all the time. And uh, he said carnal, to be carnally-minded is death. Uh, he, he didn't say he was going to bring death. He said to be carnally minded, to be seeing things just from a carnal perspective is death. And as I was thinking about that coming into Pentecost Sunday, uh, the Lord just began to stir in my heart. And as I said, I shared last week in, uh, or earlier in the service about the 23rd Psalm. Um, I want to read that, and then I'm going to go back through, and uh, we're going to look at some different scriptures dealing with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the 23rd Psalm, most people, you know, can quote it. You hear it a lot at funerals, right? I mean, I would say the majority of the funerals that I go to, the 23rd Psalm is uh, quoted. It's read or something like that. And it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me 
and he, he restores me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we read that, and we go, well, you're supposed to read that, you know, the day I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We read that at funerals, and we've attributed this to that thing. But I'm telling you, as I read this and the Lord opened it up to me, what he was saying is this is a declaration of who Holy Spirit is to us. It was a prophetic declaration the psalmist was writing, I believe, about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit and who he is to us as a believer. Because as I was meditating on this, and the first verse that got me, uh, the first verse and the first three words is what wrecked me. The Lord is. The Lord is. And I, I, I just did a, a simple search of the word is. And it's used, depending on what translation, between 5,800 to, to over 6,000 times in the Bible. And it's really not translated because in the Hebrew and the Greek, their, their words have a, more of a present tense or past tense in the word itself. So it's added for translation so that we can understand. But it's talking about right now, the now. Do you understand what I mean? Is represents present tense. It is. It's not was. It's not going to. It is right now. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. When is that? Present tense, right now. And it's the first time that this little word is used is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, when it talks about when God created the seed, he put in it, and he said, inside of that seed is the power for it to reproduce after its kind. Is that important? Yes, because Jesus likened the word to a seed, right? He likened the word to a seed, and he said, in that word, the word of God is the seed, is a seed, and it's able to produce after its kind. So how does that seed produce after its kind? As I said earlier, and when I was exhorting the body, it's produced as we use our mouth. We have to say the word, as we say the word, it releases the seed into our lives, There has to be a partnership. Are you with me? Is he the shepherd? Is he trying to be the shepherd? He is the shepherd. Was he the shepherd? Yes. Is he the shepherd? Yes. Is he going to be the shepherd? Yes, because that's who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. So my part in that is not a work that I have to perform. It's a partnership where I have to say what he says and agree with what he says. It's in the declaration that we were created in his image, and he created us speaking beings. Are you with me? Animals can make noises, but we can articulate speech. We can, we can form thoughts in our minds, and we can say them. Some do better than others, but we all have that ability to produce a thought and to, to articulate it with our language, with our tongue. And as we do that in with the promises of God, with the word of God, then what we're doing is partnering with the power that's in that seed. But if we don't understand that, we just think it's a religious activity we're supposed to do. But it's when we agree with and we proclaim, we, we say, yes, I agree with that, and I'm going I'm to declare it that the power is released. So I'm going to ask uh, Ricky if he'll come up. He came up to me during worship. He said, man, I got a testimony. And I said, all right, I'll let you share it. And... Uh, so I'm going to ask Ricky to share this testimony with us about 
speech about our words. Forget that. that. (laughs) I appreciate it anyhow. Uh, Driving an 18-wheeler. I'm on my way southbound 220. I'm going to a farm. The sky is like it is outside here. But off in the distance, well, off in the distance, I see a great big black cloud. And the closer I get to where I'm turning off the highway, I am coming up under that cloud. And uh, my work is on the outside. <laughs> so uh, I start talking to the Lord. I said, look, I need to get this load off. I don't need to, no rain delays. Well, I'm, it hadn't started raining on me yet, but... It, I say within two miles of the farm where I'm headed, the windshield starts getting wet. A mile and a half, it starts raining harder. A mile away from the farm, I am under a downpour. I am making my case before the Lord. Lord, I need to get this load off. I don't need any delays. I need to get this off because i got more work to do tonight. A half a mile away from the farm where I'm fixing to turn off the highway and go onto the driveway, I am in a torrential downpour, and I hear the words, speak to the rain, speak to the clouds. My mind immediately went back to when Jesus was on the, on the sea, yeah. resting in his waterbed. <laughs> what did he do? He got up, he spoke to the winds, he rebuked the storm. Yeah. I, rebuked, I started speaking to the rain, quit. Clouds, in the name of Jesus, depart, dissipate, Come on. get out of my way. I'll not, I'll not unload while, I, while it's raining. I get into the farm, pull up beside the feed bins, pull the brakes on, reach down. I'm not looking out, out the windshield now. Get my clipboard, fell out all my paperwork. Still hadn't looked out, put that down, picked up my gloves, put my gloves on. Still hadn't looked outside. I picked up my umbrella and turned to the door. I heard, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out and unload this stuff. <laughs> I opened the door. I heard it once again, only what I heard this time was, what are you doing? <laughs> he got in my face. And I turned and looked outside, looked up, looked around. I threw the umbrella back inside. It looked like that right out there. Amen. From a complete, surrounded by rain clouds pouring down within less than five minutes sunshine yeah. taking the authority yeah. that has been given to us yeah. pleading our case before him tell him what we need what we would like to do because he said I want to do what you what you need yeah. and taking authority over yeah that's good amen taking the promises amen that's good <laughs> And you go, I don't believe that. Well, then don't worry about it. It won't work for you. (laughs) It's not a problem. Just get your umbrella and get wet. (laughs) It's not not hard. It's not not a problem at all. But, you know, another is passage, and that's why I wanted him to share. Another is passage that's just been, I can't get away from, is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. says, now faith is. Now faith is. So for Ricky... There, uh, and you go, well, that was crazy. It was a storm. No, that was something that he needed to do. And it, it wasn't just like, I want to see if I can 
obey, get the clouds to obey me. It wasn't that. There was a significance to what he was doing. So he had faith rise up on the inside of him. But what did he have to do? He had to partner with that. He talked to the Lord about it. But if he, he could have talked to the Lord about it, and I'm going to tell you, nothing would have happened. He had to talk to the storm. What did he have to use? His words. <laughs> you know, some of you looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. You're looking at me, and I, you know, I heard people use that illustration, but the one that it reminds me of as a kid is the RCA dog, and some of y'all are way too young for that, but the little RCA dog is sitting in front of the TV going, what is going on? You know, my dog, I'll say words that she don't, she's not familiar with just to get that expression, that, that reaction. I'll just, I'll talk in tongues to her, and she'll go. <laughs> I love it. I'm being honest, I'm not just talking in tongues to confuse my dog, but I talk in tongues, and I talk in tongues around her. I pray in the Spirit. Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. It's Pentecost Sunday, right? Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you, and the dog, it'll, it'll do this, and sometimes when we hear a concept, we go, I don't understand. That's foreign to me, and if we don't believe in the God that we talk about, then we'll just dismiss it as that's different and not ever pursue to understand what God wants us to know in it so that we can grow. See, Ricky operated in faith. Hebrews 11, now faith is, it's not going to be, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What did it look like when he was riding close to the farm? It wasn't what he wanted to see. There was this big cloud. You know, we've done that uh, before. I used to have my wife, and we were doing a lot of outreach uh, in, the, in the park up here in Gibsonville, right in front of the, uh, in the, at the depot in that natural, in the area there, that grass area there. We would do those, and it seemed like almost every time we were going to do one, a cloud would come up. I told my wife, I said, you're on storm patrol. Yeah. I said, not watch storms. I said, but if you see something coming, you speak to it. We're going to speak to it. We're not going to pray and ask God to do something. We're going to speak to it. And I have a picture. I don't, I don't have it ready, but I have a picture on, uh, on my phone of when we were doing, I think it was one of the last ones we were doing, and this cloud just came out. It was blue skies, and this cloud started coming out of nowhere, and it was coming right at us. It was dark. It was coming right at us, and we just began to speak to the cloud, and it opened up, and it, it was like a donut. I, I, have, I took the picture. I, you could see the people on the stage, and you could see the blue sky right over us and dark all the way around us. And you go, well, that's insignificant. It wasn't. And you go, I don't, I believe that, and that's okay. You don't have to believe that. I'm not here to make you believe anything, but I'm telling you, if we will believe and we'll, op and we'll partner with it, we'll begin to see it. As long as we stay in unbelief, we don't have to worry about seeing it. And it's not because God's mad at us. It's not. He's looking for us to partner with him because he is present. Do you understand? When we were there and we were preparing and we had practiced and we were going to worship the Lord in downtown Gibsonville, open air, and we were blasting, if not, uh, not uh, offensively, but you could hear it everywhere. We were there worshiping the Lord. It would have been so easy to go, well, God, we're just trying to serve you in this raining. We can't play instruments in the rain. And most, most people would be justified in that. They would go, well, that's just normal. You know, we're upset. And he said, I'm not looking for you to be upset. I'm, ready for, I'm looking for you to be righteously angered. Not at people, but at opposition. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. 
with principalities, powers, rules of authority, and high places, uh, principalities. That's what our, our battle is against. And when we understand that, and we understand that God is present. You know, growing up, I had an older brother. And I, I love him. And I thank God that, he, that the Lord got a hold of my heart before I got older. Because my brother used to beat me stupid. I mean, he would beat me. My, I'll never forget when we moved in the house that mom and dad live in now. It was two stories. He would, I would be downstairs, and he would come in, and he would hit me. And y'all don't understand this. This was before the day of cell phones, okay? So just track with me. He would beat me downstairs, and I would run upstairs to call mom on a rotary phone. I'd get about three or four digits in, and then we didn't have to dial 22. We didn't have to dial 33622. It was just 67462 or 81960. All we had to do is dial a number direct. That's all we had to do. And I would get about three numbers in, and he would pick up the phone. <laughs> it wasn't the Lord. And I would hang up the phone so that it could reset, and he, I could hear him coming. He would run up the stairs, and guess what he did when he got upstairs? He'd beat me again. And then I would run downstairs, and I'd pick up the phone. <laughs> it, was a, it was a cycle for a few minutes there. So he got tired of beating, and I got tired of running. And I told him, I said, when I get older, I won't always be smaller than you. And when I get older, I'm going to beat you stupid. I just want, and he'd hit me some more. But I would tell him, I would promise him, when I get older, but the Lord in his goodness saved me. Because I could beat my brother right now. I'm just telling you, I could beat him. And I've told him that before. I said, I love you. I could whoop you right now. He said, I don't think so. I said, I'll. <laughs> I can whip you. <laughs> but I won't because Jesus is good. <laughs> I, 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 could, I could beat you. But Jesus got a hold to me, and he redeemed me, so I, I don't have that desire to do that anymore. Thank God for the Holy Spirit is what I'm saying. <laughs> And in that moment, I, I was ready. I was so angry that I wanted to do something, but I had no power to do it. That's frustrating. To be, to be stirred and want to do something, but have no power to do it. And what's sad is that's where so much of the church is. They're afraid of what God wants to do, and they're angry and they're stirred, and they feel that they have no power to do it. He said, now faith is. And you've got to know that now God is here and he's present. And the other side of that story is as I got older, my brother told me this, and this is part of the reason I had grace. As he told me that, he said, I promise you this, I may beat you at home, but no one will ever touch you in school. And I stand before you right now, I have never in my life been in a fist fight. Never been in a fist fight. Because my brother was seven years older than me and he had a reputation. That he was a redhead with a short fuse like my mama used to have before Jesus helped. <laughs> and he, he, he had a reputation. He said, you'll never have anybody bother you in school because if they do, I'll beat them worse than I ever beat you. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> so I knew, I had this understanding that my brother had my back. Are you with me? I had an understanding my brother had my back. So I wasn't cocky. I wasn't that guy that was like, oh, you mess with me, my brother will get you. I, never, I was never that guy. I wasn't a troublemaker. That wasn't who I was. But I had this knowing in the back of my mind because as much as I know he beat me, I knew he would do what he said he would do. 
And if we know God is with us, if we know that God is present, how do we continue to live the way that we live, thinking that all we can do is what we have within our hands to grab hold of? He is present. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Well, you don't understand what's going on in my life right now. No, I don't. But I understand who my shepherd is. And he's looking for us to partner with him so that he can release for us what he has for us. Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. You must believe that God is. He is what? What are you coming to him for? That's who he is. <laughs> that's who he is. He, he is the all-sufficient one. And if we believe that that's who he is, then we'll come to him differently than how we come. If we're then this little meek beggar, uh, I don't have anything, can't do anything, wish God somebody would do something for me. That's not who we are. Does that make sense? He said, now faith, but without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is, present tense, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't it good to know that God is? We have to believe that God is and that he's with us right now. And, you know, I've told you this over the weeks that God's been dealing with me that about just being conscious of his presence, being conscious of that God is with me and not allowing things to get me out of sorts because understanding that God is here. And it it has to be sometimes moment by moment. When you're in the middle of something, it has to be moment by moment. You know, Ben talked about, he said, anybody in here had a burden? Anybody anybody in here ever uh, woke up in the morning and it just seemed like an onslaught on your mind and every negative thing you could think about happened? Anyway, I, I can remember a few weeks ago, I woke up, it was like 4.30 and on a Saturday morning, which should be a sin. But it was like 4.30 on a Saturday morning, didn't have to be anywhere, and I, I got up, went to the bathroom, and as I was going back to get into bed, these thoughts just started bombarding my mind. I mean, one right after another, and it was, and I, you know what happened? I began to entertain the thoughts. I didn't go in the other room and start saying, no, this is who God says I am. This is what his word says. I began to entertain the thoughts, and they began to just roll down the hill like a snowball. And they picked up momentum, and they picked up size. And for two and a half hours, I just walked around in the room, and I was like, I can't believe this. This is, the whole world's falling apart, and God's left me alone, and no one knows. I'm here all alone. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I wasn't saying that out loud, but that was the lies that were running through my mind. And it was just totally out of nowhere. I didn't go to bed thinking about it. You know what? That wasn't God. That wasn't God. I believe it was even more than just my mind run away. I believe it was an attack of the enemy. It was a dart that he shot in. And what I did, instead of taking my position in him, I took that thought. He said, take no thought saying. But I took that thought, and I began to meditate on that thought. And it got so big, Tina was oblivious to it. She was sleeping in peace. And I was not going to wake her up in this battle that I was going. But I'm going to tell you, it was as real as any fist fight you could get in. And the enemy was just telling me these lies, all these lies. And I entertained those lies instead of going to the Word and getting the truth. Now, after a couple hours, you know what I figured out in my lightning fast mind? 
this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's just I'm that sharp. About two hours into it, I'm like, well, what I'm doing right now is not working, so I need to change my method of operation. I need to switch some things up. So I began to just worship the Lord. I began to talk about who he was instead of the things that were being said into my mind. I began to talk about who he was and think about who he was. And around 7 in the morning, 7.30, I went and got back into bed and fell right asleep. About 8.30, Tina woke up, I think it was. And we needed to get started in the day. And I'm like, all right, good hour and a half. I'm ready to go. But I had to make a difference. I had to make the difference in a change in my mind. I had to make a difference with who I was agreeing with. Because God is right here. He's right now. And he began to think. That's when this process of the 23rd Psalm about the Lord is my shepherd. Not going to be. That's who he is. He's right now. So I want to look at uh, just a few things from John talking about the Holy Spirit. But before I do, here's what. Man, we've got to grab this. Do you understand? Listen, religion in America has placed God in heaven. It's placed God in heaven and said, one day we get to go be with him. And religion in America said, yeah, that's how God worked when Jesus was here, but he's gone. And he just gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to keep us until we get pulled out of here. And he rescues us. So that's who Holy Spirit is. He's not the one who works among us and in us and through us. He just keeps us secure until Jesus comes to get us. And the Lord began to speak to my heart about this, and he said, look at me through Scripture. Was I a present God in Scripture? We can go to the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and what did he do with Adam and Eve? He walked with them in the garden. He talked with them. God was constantly in communion with man. He said, it's not, he said, he created man in his image and it was, it pleased him to spend time with man. Man sinned. Did that mess everything up? No, God still came to the garden. He said, I still have a desire to be with you. It changed the way I can do it, but my desire hasn't changed. I have a desire to be with you. Your sin didn't push God away to where he can't have anything to do with you. Your sin created a, a barrier in yourself that says God doesn't want to be with me. And God has constantly been coming to man, constantly been coming to man to say, I want to be with you. He met with Abraham. He, he, uh, and, and we see throughout the scriptures, and the one I shared just the other week that just wrecks me, when God said, all right, I want you to, here's what you're going to do. You're going to build a tabernacle, Moses. Right after they came out, came out of bondage, he said, you're going to build a tabernacle. Gave him the blueprint for it. Told him how to build it, everything like this. And he said, then you're going to put it all together, and when you do, I'll be there. I'll be there in a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I'll be there. And when you see the cloud or the pillar move, you just go with it. Would you say that's present? I would say that's present. And that's who God has been. You go throughout Scripture, you see it. You see Jacob wrestle with God. God came to him and Jacob said, this is the house of God. There wasn't a house there. He was in the wilderness with his head on a rock. He was asleep, and he said, this is the house of God. Why did he say it was the house of God? Because he said there's angels ascending and descending. What is that significant of? There were angels coming down doing work, the work of, uh, of the kingdom, and they were going back up, and they would come down and do the work of the kingdom, and they would go back up. And Jacob recognized that. His eyes were open, and he said, God was here, and I what? I didn't even know it. Oh, that just run. 
all over me. He's here and I know it. God is here. Jacob said, God is here and I didn't even know it. Why? Because God's way off. He said, no, I'm present. I'm here. I'm right here, right now. God is present. You see it in the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, the, the, uh, the presence of God would come down and it would be like a fire inside of there. You see it on the day of Pentecost. Jesus told his disciples, he had been with them for three and a half years and he told them, he said, I'm going away. And it's important. This is in John. I'll read it in a moment. It's important that I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And he said, when he comes, he'll abide with you forever. So we see Jesus, he came and he dwelt among us and and we beheld him. It was Jesus, son of God. He was here. Was God present then? Yes. When, When they were walking around and Jesus walked up in the room, you know what? It changed things. (laughs) It always changed things when Jesus was present. Not everyone was changed, but him being there changed things. You know what? It changed the way people did church. Jesus never walked into a church service and things didn't change. That's a fact, Jack. He didn't go in to say, I must change the service. He just went in being who God had created, who he, who came to be. God created him, the son of God. He, uh, God created him. Some people just went off and lost everything else I'm saying. He came, God created a body for him. God didn't create him. He's God. Okay, just to clear that up. God made a body. He said, I, the body you've made for me, he came in. And he came as God in the flesh among people. And when they were there, they knew it. They said, there's something different about this man. And he, he himself said, I have to go. John 14, John 14, I want to share just a few things, and then we're going to look back over uh, Psalms 23. John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you will know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 15, 26. But the, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So here he said this in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep. That word keep there, in the Greek it means to guard, to hold precious, to guard. He said, if you love me, keep, guard those things that I've shared with you. Hold them precious to you. And he said this, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you, how often? How long? Forever. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you will know him for he dwells with you, he shall be in you. I will not leave you orphans. That's so beautiful. So as I was meditating on this, just a few things. I was meditating on this and the Lord began to speak to me about who Holy Spirit is to us. Because we can talk about, well, this is the, you know, we celebrate the, today, the day of Pentecost. And it was what Jesus said when he, uh, before he left, he said, go wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. And it said when the day of Pentecost, which is the day of the, the feast, a feast day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together in the upper room and the spirit of God came in like a mighty rushing wind. You know, what's amazing to me. We can get in worship and it can get active and people can get nervous. 
we can get excited about the God that we serve, and people begin to get nervous and go, I'm not used to this. This is not comfortable. But they were in the upper room, and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. I mean, that would be like here, and we, we had the windows open so the breeze could blow through because it was kind of open-air thing. They didn't have AC back then, in case you didn't know that. And all of a sudden, it sounds like a tornado blows in the room. That's going to keep you calm, right? You're going to be, well, that's a neat thing. No, I'm telling you, we, we read the word and we just make it emotionless. It was not emotionless. When Jesus said, uh, why don't you have faith? He wasn't going, guys, why don't you have faith? That's not it. So as I was thinking about Holy Spirit and the day that he came, and the Lord began to just say these things to me. Who is the Holy Spirit to the believer? He's the one who empowers, Acts 1.8. He's the one who helps, John 14 and John 15. He's the one who teaches us, 1 John 2, 27. He's the one who guides us, John 16, 13. He's the one who lives in us, John 14, 17. I just read that just a moment ago. He's the one who adopts. And that word adopt is not like, well, I adopt a kid no one wanted. That word adopt, what it means in the original, it means to place in sonship. You know what the Lord spoke to my heart? This morning, as I was just meditating on this and thinking over it, he said, it's the Holy Spirit that assures your identity. It's Holy Spirit that assures your identity. He adopts, and that word adopt means to place a son in a position of authority, and it's Holy Spirit who comes, and he's the one who, who uh, assures us of the identity that God has given us, not what we've done or who we were, but who we are in him and what that's supposed to look like. John 14, 18, he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Romans 8, chapter 5, verse uh, 15, said, Romans 8, 15. I said Romans 8, chapter 5. That's good. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The, spi the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, present tense. That's who we are. We are children of God. We're trying to be. That's who he created us to be, children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. John 16, 7 through 15, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He said, oh, the script. Yeah, you know, Friday night, so thankful for Bob. But one of the things that he said, he, if you weren't here, we're going to have it up before long. But one of the things that he said, he said, I, I know about the, what the Lord revealed him about our places. He said, you've got these nuggets these gold nuggets you have. But he said, and they're good, but you've got to dig deeper. You've got to hit the vein that the nugget came out of and just instead of being happy with this nugget that you've got. He said, you've got to tap into the vein because there's more that he has for you. And one of the things he spent a large amount of time was on the word. And, and it was beautiful. He spent a lot of time, too, about talking about what the church really is, and it's a family. And that was really good. You need to hear it. Uh, but he talked about this, about the word. And, and uh, as I've been meditating on this about who the Lord is, and he said, the only way you're going to know who I am is to know me. And the way you know me is through my word because I'm the word and we're the same. We can pray for and ask for revelation, but if we don't get to, into the word where revelation, re revelation comes from, faith comes by hearing, Romans said, and hearing by what? 
by the word. So if we're not getting in the word, we're not getting revelation. And we can pray and ask God to give us revelation all the time. That can be like saying I'm thirsty and never taking a drink of water and being upset with the water because you're still thirsty. <laughs> I'm gonna drop down verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but can, you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's who Holy Spirit is, and he's present, he's in us. Isn't that what Jesus said? He won't just be with you, he'll be in you. That should be exciting. I mean, that, it, to, to rob Ben's words, I'm not robbing, I'm take, borrowing them. That's the game changer. That's the game changer. It takes God from out here, places God in here, not because we're worthy, but because he's worthy and he made us worthy. Now we are worthy because we've been made new. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. I was talking with someone the other day and they were just uh, asking questions about, you know, uh, my personal time with the Lord, my prayer time with the Lord and things like this. And they said, you know, has there been something that really, uh, an encounter you have with the Lord that's really wrecked you? And we continued to talk and I was thinking about different things. And I'll remember, man, in my mind's eye, if I close my, mind, my eyes, I can just see myself sitting there. I was sitting at my desk and uh, I was meditating on the scriptures about understanding identity. God was cleaning some things out of me and wrong thinking and just about identity in Christ being a new creation. And that word new there means something that's never been before. It's not even what Adam was. We're in a place Adam wasn't. We have dual citizenship. We're seated in heaven and we're walking on earth. And how you sit will determine how you walk. So I'm sitting at my desk and I'm just meditating on these scriptures, reading through Ephesians and uh, meditating on the scriptures. And the Lord said this to my heart. He said, say out loud, I'm as righteous and holy as Jesus. And I literally slid back from my desk and I'm like, <laughs> I can't do that because I know me. I know the thoughts that I have. I know the frustrations that I have and things like that. That's not me. He, and, and I felt like the Lord said it wasn't an audible voice, but the Lord said, then you're as far as you can go. You're as far as you can. You can study, 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 and, and, and learn and learn and learn, but it'll never be a revelation to you that brings life until you can say what I say. And, and I remember sitting there, pushed back from my desk, just looking, looking down at the, at the floor and then looking at my computer, these scriptures I'm reading, and, and looking back down, and my heart's doing this. Out of reverence for the Lord, and I said, I'm as righteous and as holy as Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, it was like the peace of God rushed in that room over me. I didn't, I didn't fall out in the floor. I didn't kick and scream, anything like that. But there was a revelation that, that became a reality to me that were, there was a peace and an authority that settled in me that I'm not trying to get something anymore. This is how God sees me. And he said, until you can say this, you can't go any further. It's just like, you know, uh, until a baby can eat those mushed up veggies, you're not going to give them a cheese cracker. They can't go any further, right? Their body can't process it. And he said, until you can understand who I've created you to be, you can't go any further. 
because I'm here with you and this is who I've made you. Does that make sense? And I began to meditate on that. So I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm and I'll be done. But I want you to look at it now in light of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. He said, I'm going to, it's important that I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And what's he going to do? He's going to guide you, right? And we just read that in John 14, John 15, John 16. He talked about that, right? So he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He does what? He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. You know what Holy Spirit desires to do so much in us is restore our soul, not our spirit. He sealed our spirit until the day of redemption. So what's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. He said, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He does what? He leads me. He didn't say go find the path of righteousness. When we understand that we're made righteous in him, he'll lead us in that righteousness. That's good. For his name's sake. For they, for yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because what? He's where? He's present. The king is among us and his glory surrounds us. We sing that. But the king is among us. You know, just think about this. You can read the rest of the 23rd Psalm. <laughs> just, I don't want to, think about this. If you were a pauper, a poor person, I don't want to use the king's English because we don't use the king's English. If you were a poor person and you were in a monarchy, you were in a kingdom, and the king sees you and he says, I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to bring you into my family, like the prodigal son that came home. He said, I'm going to put shoes on your feet. I'm going to put a robe on your back. I'm going to put a ring on your hand. And the ring then was authority. It was identity and authority. And he said, this is who you are now. When the stores, as before you were adopted, the stores you used to walk by and you would go, man, I would love to go in there, but I can't because I don't have the money or the ability to go in. If you, didn't, if, if you didn't renew your mind, you would act that same way. Though all the authority is given you, you could walk in any store and get anything you want because the king's got you. Are you with me? And if we won't renew our minds to that, we've got much better than a kingdom that we can walk in and, and because our dad's the king, we can have something on the shelf. He said, no, I've placed my spirit on the inside of you and wherever you go, I'm there. I've got you. I'm there. So we should have a different expectation is what I'm saying. When, the cat, when, the, when you were poor and, and orphaned and you didn't have money and then the king adopted you and you had everything the king had, you should walk differently than when you walked as a pauper, as a poor person. It just in the natural, does that make sense? You should walk differently. And he said, I'm trying to get you to walk differently. And the way we walk differently is we make agreement with who our king is. And we see ourselves the way he sees it. See, Holy Spirit isn't just this mighty rushing wind. He's not tongues. He's not even power. Those are, those are things that he has, but that's not who he is. He's the king, and he's among us. He's here. He's present. And he said, Todd, don't reduce me to a thing that you need, but understand I'm greater than all of that, and I have provision with me if you'll just walk with me and understand that I am with you. The Lord is. The Lord is. Let's stand.